Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Hanging with Harley, live here on Rogue News. Follow us on roguenews.com. Check us out, Rogue News, on Twitter. And most importantly, make sure you check out Harley over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the SchillerInstitute.org. And with that being said, Harley, the world is going insane. The liberal world order is falling apart. You have tanks driven by farmers in the streets of the Netherlands. You have Shinzo Abe, who's just been assassinated by a very, very dubious set of circumstances. Lots going on. Inflation's out of control. Um, wow. It's, it, wow is an understatement, Harley. Wow is an understatement. It's a total understatement. I mean, let, let's start at the top. You have virtually everything the U.S. and the British are doing is falling apart. Yeah. Now, some people think it's deliberate, but I'll, I can get to that later. Mm-hmm. The key thing is what they're doing, they're intending to do, but they're expecting different consequences. For example, with Ukraine, they figured the sanctions would destroy Russia. Instead, the sanctions are backfiring and destroying Europe. Yeah. You mentioned the farmers in the Netherlands. There were 60,000, then 80,000. Uh, and, and what are they protesting? The Green New Deal of the European Union, correct, which is taking 30% of Dutch farmland out of production. Now, I don't think many people realize this, but the Netherlands are one of the most productive agricultural countries in the world. That is correct. And I think they're third or fourth largest in uh, exporting food. Yes. You know, when you have a food crisis, which everyone acknowledges, they may disagree as to why, but when they acknowledge that, why do you shut down one of the most productive food-producing countries? And this makes clear that the European Union has always been a Malthusian depopulation operation. Now, then you see that the fishermen have joined the farmers. There are French farmers still in the streets. Now we're seeing Italian taxi drivers linking up with Italian rail workers. Uh, we have Boris Johnson kicked out on his ear Although that there's more to that than just getting rid of Johnson. He served his purpose. Yeah. And uh, you know, he'll probably be well rewarded after a decent interview interval. But, well, you, do you think that they'll also give him a decent haircut, Harley? Uh, I think that would be impossible because if they cut his <laughs> hair short, he probably says uh, owned by Queen Elizabeth or something <laughs> in the scalp. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I mean, his his going his retirement or his uh, resignation speech was extraordinary because he said it was everybody else's fault but his. Mm. But, you know, the real thing, 
this was amazing. The Atlantic Council, which is one of the leading Anglo-American think tanks funded by the British government, the U.S. State Department, uh, the corporate cartels, they had in their Ukraine Watch column, the editor of that wrote about how Boris Johnson is loved in Ukraine. And while they may not like him much in, in um, the United Kingdom, uh, he always has a warm place in Ukraine. And it talked about how he was the one pushing the hardest for the arming of the Ukrainian forces. Now, this is interesting because at the same time, the British have been sending a lot of weaponry there. They've depleted the stocks of their own country, even while they're talking about getting involved in a war in Europe. The new chief, chief of the command there, uh, General, General Sir Sanders, uh, is talking about Britain needing to be prepared to engage once again in a land war in Europe. And while he's People saying, are insane. Like well, 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 <laughs> while he's saying that the leading British defense think tank, at least according to itself, Rusi Royal, <laughs> or what is Royal Institute of, uh, no, Royal United Services Institute. Right. They had a, a report saying that in order to fight a war, you have to either have a lot of weapons manufacturing or other industry that can be converted to producing weapons and ammunition. The West today has neither. So <laughs> not only that, you know what makes this whole thing funny? Yeah. Is not only do they, do they not have a manufacturing base, number one, not only do they not have the nascent talent and know-how that can scale up in order to deal with the production cost of running a war machine, but on top of that, the, 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 the trillion-dollar derivative question here, Harley, is how the hell are they going to wage in warfare with a military force and war machine that requires tens of millions of gallons of diesel fuel per day in order to operate a war against Russia. <laughs> well, here's, here's the other point. They're going to have the same problem Ukraine is having. They don't have many people in their army. No, they don't. They just <laughs> cut their army from 82,000 to 72,500. Correct. I am convinced that the West, Harley, is, is a bunch of independent think tanks and echo chambers that literally postulate and put out white papers, put out all sorts of projections of what they're going to do, what they want to do, and it's fantasy. It's utter fantasy. It's like the right hand has no idea what the left hand is doing, and then they come together and they realize they're completely inadequate in handling a situation. Well, there's delusion is a central feature yeah. in Western strategic policy. But it's as you point out, it's an echo chamber. It's reinforced. The talking points are repeated over and over and over to the point that they believe them. But I don't think the Russian missiles believe them. No. I don't think that the Russian military forces who are taking casualties, there's no question about it, because there are some significant weapons that have been delivered to Ukraine. But the Ukrainian forces are inadequate, even though they've been trained by NATO now for eight years. Eight years. And, and on top of that... Best trained military in NATO is the Ukrainians, and they're getting rolled up. Yeah, and it's not even a fair fight. Yeah. And yet Zelensky is being told, keep doing this, keep doing this, we'll let you keep your millions, we'll get you a, 
a primetime uh, program in the U.S. after this is all said. Well, and after done. it's all said and done, I, you know, he has a spot waiting for him on MSLSD. Where, <laughs> where right next to, to John Brennan. No, no, right next to Brennan and Rachel Madcow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the delusion is there, but there's another aspect to it. And this is something that, that I think we've been right about for uh, many years, because this goes back to LaRouche identifying the Western policy as Shaktian. And Shakt is a name that, that people should know, but they don't know because of the way history is rewritten. Shakt is presented as someone who is actually trying to mitigate what Hitler wanted to do. And that's, a, that's nonsense. Shakt was the author of the concentration camp policy, which he initially intended to be a slave labor camp for the German military. Yeah. Schacht was the fair-haired boy of Montague Norman, the head of the Bank of England, who is a front man for the Anglo-American trusts and cartels that poured money into the Hitler project. And what was the Hitler project? To rebuild Germany after World War I as a sledgehammer against the Soviet Union. And at the yeah. same time, they were trying to help the Soviet Union as a sledgehammer to destroy Germany. The British obsession with Germany has gone on going back to the time when Sir Isaac Newton was deployed against Gottfried Leibniz at, as the British Royal Society debated who actually invented calculus. Sure. Now, Isaac Newton couldn't invent anything. I mean, he probably did come up with the idea of gravity from getting hit on the head with an apple. Yeah, But Leibniz was a universal genius. And Leibniz, one of the things he did was engage in diplomatic and scientific invest, uh, cooperation in China and Russia. He worked with Peter the Great to help develop St. Petersburg as a city. The St. Petersburg Academy was a Leibnizian academy. That's sure. the basis of Russian science. Now, it's also the basis of German science. And the Brits were terrified, going back to the end of the 17th century, of a Russian-German alliance. And that shaped the wars of the 20th century, and that's shaping the fighting that's going on today. Now, with that in mind, what's their intent? Destroy Russia, hopefully separate Russia from China, because they, what they want to do is weaken Russia so it's not a threat but tear Russia away from China because their fear is a Russian-Chinese alliance, which already exists now. They're not going to stop it. But that appeals to businessmen and industrialists in Western Europe who see the Western economies moving into bankruptcy and collapse. In fact, the German economy had a shrinkage in the last quarter or, I'm sorry, the U.S. had a 2%. The Atlanta Fed is now saying it's going to be a 2% drop in GDP. The Germans had a negative trade balance for the first time in years in the last quarter. So we're on the verge of a complete transformation of the world from a rules-based order run by Western finance into one in which the East and, and Central Europe and the Global South are working together on projects of tremendous scientific and technological importance for infrastructure, for uh, biomedical research, and so on. And this was clear from what happened at the G20 summit that just finished in Bali, Indonesia. 
there was an attempt to kick the Russians out. And the president of Indonesia intervened and said, Russia is a part of the G20. This isn't the G8. You can't tell us what to do. And so Lavrov was there. The Russians were there. The Chinese were there. So was Blinken. And Blinken ran around saying, Russia's uh, an aggressor in Ukraine. And no one talked to him. Liz Truss was there, and she flew out on her broom very quickly to get back to London to try to replace Boris Johnson. The West was embarrassed by what happened. And then in the midst of this, you have the assassination uh, of Abe in Japan, which I think has a lot to do with the Japanese reaction against Kishida, the, the current prime minister, who's been betting the, the House that an anti-Russian policy will help the Liberal Democrats win in the election this week. I think the, he's wrong in that. I think Abe was not saying a whole lot about Russia, but Abe is known as a friend of Putin. And, mm -hmm. and I think this situation is going to be quite interesting. If and he's also known as to be a friend of Trump. He, he is another populist uh, candidate in Russia, uh, I mean, sorry, in Japan. Yeah. So his, by this, and when they arrested the guy, they're like, I, 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 the, the guy who assassinated him said, I have nothing politically against Abe, okay? But I just don't like Shinzo Abe. Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> you know, I mean, when have you heard in history, Harley, an assassin who has no ideological adherence whatsoever, just no political, you know, nothing, no source of disagreements whatsoever. He just killed the guy because he didn't like him. Like, that's crazy. Well, it's a little bit like Sirhan Sirhan, isn't it? It's exactly like Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> it's like exactly. so many of these people. The, the terrorism is an artificial operation. In yeah. Europe, it's Operation Gladio. Gladio. Uh, in, in the United States, it's a, an intersection of certain uh, CIA networks in the mafia. Uh, but also, look, the U.S. imports assassins from around the world. Now, we're finding out also that the CIA is, is coordinating the Ukrainian forces, uh, which, you know, if I were the Russians, I'd be happy about that because the CIA is not exactly competent. So we're, we're seeing, I mean, the, the crucial thing here, the, there's so many particulars we can talk about, including the idiocy on thinking the raising interest rates is going to somehow supply, solve the supply chain crisis, the chip shortage, the food shortage, the uh, housing problem. It's going to make everything worse. But that's all you hear now is raise the interest rates. Then you have the Republicans saying the solution is cutting the budget, that the Democrats are too big government. Well, you know, the, the last three presidents had the largest deficits ever before Biden. It was Bush, a Republican, Obama, who was a Bushman, and Trump. So you know, we, we had huge budget deficits before there was Biden. Yeah. The, the budget deficit is not necessarily the problem. It depends on what you're going into debt to do. And if you're going into debt, to cover up the fact that you no longer have a health system, you no longer have an infrastructure, you've got huge debt in the corporate sector, the government sector, and the private sector. If you're going into deeper debt to, to cover that up, you're never going to get out of debt because you're just increasing the debt. Sure. 
So, and when you raise interest rates, what does that do? People have to pay more to borrow, which means no one is going to invest where it needs to go into physical economic investment. So this is LaRouche's triple curve, where he pointed out that you have financial aggregates going through the roof. And catching up with that is monetary aggregates, in other words, quantitative easing. But the physical, the investment in the physical goods production is collapsing and has been collapsing since 1971. And the effect of that is that you have to borrow to buy things you're no longer producing. And you know, the solution to that is a bankruptcy reorganization, which should have been done minimally in 2008, 2009. And that's what the biggest crime of Obama was that he went along with the Bush-Paulson plan, which was really the Riston uh, Wall Street City of London plan of bailing out the speculators. Yeah, yeah. So we're paying the price of these, these policies. Now, if you look at someone like Walt Riston, who is at the center of this, I, I don't know if you've ever looked at his book. He wrote a book called The Twilight of Sovereignty. And I know everyone's happy about being able to expose Klaus Schwab because he's just an open moron <laughs> who, who says things like, unfortunately, our desire for a better living standard is what's destroying the planet. That is what is destroying our planet, is we have to have a, uh, a new world order, just like Kissinger said, and uh, you own nothing and you will be happy. Yeah. Now, Schwab is an easy one to target. Riston is more significant because if you think about Riston, he played a leading role in, in the Robert Rubin operation within the yep. Clinton administration. Yep. His book, The Twilight of Sovereignty, lays out why we can no longer have sovereign nation states. And it, it's written in a very dense way. It's sort of like Soros's writings. If you read Soros, you can't quite figure out what he's saying, except you know that he's doing something evil. Oh, yes. Uh, Riston was very clever in this. And he was the one who shaped the talking points of the 1980s project, which included Volcker. Uh, it included George Schultz, who was, goes back, Volcker and Schultz were the ones who convinced Nixon to pull the dollar off the gold reserve system in 1971. So we're seeing a 50-year policy. And what's the ultimate goal? This is what people are missing. openly expressing it. We must reduce the world population to a billion people. Klaus Schwab says basically the same thing. Mark Carney former governor of the Bank of England, the same thing. The Malthusian genocidalists are the ones who organize things such as food shortages, the shutting down of agriculture, advanced agriculture in Europe and the United States. You know, what's being done to the Dutch farmers, they're doing the same thing in the United States. This thing called 30 for 30, which is to reduce U.S. planting by 30% by 2030. In the meantime, Who's buying up the farmland? People like Bill Gates. Well, yeah, because Bill Gates is an expert on nutrition. I don't know if you know this. I mean, even though he's a fat slob, he's an expert on virology and viruses because he's created the greatest operating system uh, in the world, which uh, allows you to experience what a, what a virus infection looks like on a digital sense, but also the fact that 
he loves hamburgers and milkshakes, so therefore he's a great nutritionist. And that is why he's buying farmland, Harley, because he wants to feed America. Well, and for the same reason, you could say that BlackRock is buying houses because they want to make sure the homeless have a place to live. Absolutely. It has nothing assuming, to do with Assuming every homeless person wins a lottery. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, this is where you see what an oligarchy is. And this, you is see what, where the this is what we see when we see control. predatory capitalism running out of control with no checks and balances. This is not the American system that our founders envisioned. This is not the American system that FDR wanted and... This is not the American system. This is uh, some predatory vulture capitalism with uh, socialist characteristics where the profits the British, are privatized and the risks are socialized. It's it's the British system. Yes. I mean, here's something interesting. I, I, I assume you've heard the name recently, Sergei Glaziev. Oh, Glaziev is brilliant. One of the most brilliant economic minds alive today. Glaziev sent out a telegram on his telegram account the other day, something saying, that the greatest mind of the last 25 years, Lyndon LaRouche, forecast this crisis and offered a solution. And Glaziev went on to say that this is, a, I don't have the exact quote in front of me. I'll send it to you because it's, it caused a great stir of excitement in the global South because Glaziev is now well known because he's the architect of Russia's policy for surviving the sanctions. He's the leading opponent to the free marketeers inside the Russian Central Bank. Uh, he's a, a longtime ally of Putin. And Glaziev studied LaRouche. He really worked with LaRouche. They had several conferences together. And his idea is how Russia is one of the best places in the world right now to adopt the American system. And what he means by that is create credit. You need credit. You need government spending or government directing spending, making yeah. credit available through the private banking system. The question is, where does it go? And this is where the, the concept of dirigism, which goes back to Leibniz, when Leibniz worked with Colbert in, the, in uh, France in the 1670s, the idea that you put it into scientific investigation to increase the productivity of your labor force. Uh, this is where the steam engine came out of this project of, of Leibniz in, in France in the 1670s. So you look at every time we've had a development uh, policy in the Western world since the time of the Golden Renaissance. And it's been people who said, forget the divine right of kings. If a king is going to survive, he needs an economy. And to do that, he has to free the workforce, break the craft mentality and instead fund production. And that's the way we have to do it today. And that's what, what LaRouche was talking about. That's what the idea of the strategic defense initiative that Reagan liked was, that you not only develop anti-missile systems that can shoot down nuclear weapons, but that they have civilian spin-offs and plasma technologies and nuclear fusion and uh, biotechnology and so on. So this is the future, and the West has the future in, in uh, patenting 57 new genders a week. But, Harley, this is important because as we're transferring ourselves from and putting the, finding, the final finishing touches on what was once a physical economy, and we're moving into a virtual economy where basement dwellers 
can earn uh, internet bucks uh, selling their images and, uh, and, and getting attention because attention is the only industry we have in America and attention pays, uh, as we know from social, social media, is the, is, the, is the benefactor of the fact that attention pays. Uh, creating more genders allows us to create more various characters on the metaverse so we can commoditize it and hopefully other morons that are just like us could buy these characters and trade it on an exchange that's uh, been you know put together by Wall Street. I think it's a brilliant idea, Harley. Well, the good thing is it's collapsing. The bad thing is it's destroying the minds of the younger generation. Uh, we have an entire generation of, of, of morons. I, th- I say about 90% of kids in this country are lost. They're ir- I mean, they need to go to a re-education camp lost. When this whole thing comes down, if we don't win the culture back, if we don't get the steering back on this country in terms of education, in terms of the institutions, in terms of government, these kids are gone forever. They cannot compete globally. American kids cannot compete globally. They are masters at one thing, Harley, and that is pop culture. They're very good at pop culture. They're good at nothing else. I would say we've already lost a generation. Oh, easily. The the generation that's post-college graduate age now and the the ones that are going into high school and uh, this, this is where you see the problem. Now, I see it in an interesting way in Germany, because I see teachers who still believe that you need a classical education, which includes music, which includes science, which includes uh, reading the classics. You know, the, one of the things about the woke culture is the destruction of the classics. You know, the I, I heard someone giving a lecture the other day that Cervantes shouldn't be read because it makes fun of fat peasants. Well, the person who said that, who was a a tenured professor at a British university, obviously hasn't read Don Quixote because Sancho Panza ends up being the ideal governor because he has common sense, whereas the oligarchs are are, uh, despicable predators and Don Quixote is a lunatic. So, you know, the, the people who are pushing this stuff are able to do it because of the ignorance of the people they're pushing it on. Exactly. And the same thing in military strategy. The idea, there's an article in the uh, written on July 4th in Foreign Affairs Magazine, which is the CFR publication, one of the, the top think tanks run by the oligarchy. And it's on, what do we do if Putin goes nuclear? And it said, if we do step up the delivery of arms to Ukraine and Ukraine turns around the battlefield, so they're admitting that Ukraine is, is in trouble. But if they turn it around, will Putin think that using tactical nukes in Ukraine will cause the West to stop? Well, then it goes on to say that if he does that, what's, what are the options for the West? One, let it happen, ignore it, and then just use it as a point to rail against Putin. Two, a nuclear counterstrike. Three, the other option is conventional airstrikes on Russia combined with moving in ground forces. Now, the third point, would, the third one would never work. Uh, the first one, they've already tried it. They're not shaming Putin. They're actually making Putin a hero for much of the world. The only option they really have would be going to nuclear war. And that's where you see the insanity of these guys. Why, why no one would, would say at the foreign affairs, 
we can't print this. This is crazy. And and that is the only solution they have left. They they have nothing left but fantasy. I mean, these guys are. It, it's as if the Western leaders hardly are involved in a giant LARP, a live action role playing game. And the problem is they actually believe the role-playing game that they're playing. They're playing the geopolitical equivalent of a Dungeons and Dragons. This is insanity. Well, remember, this is this was called by Rumsfeld the Revolution in Military Affairs. And the idea, this is also a subject of a Rand publication in 2019, where Rand basically said the West is in danger of losing the the hybrid warfare the controlling the narrative. And one of the things that's fascinating about that RAND report, and again, people, very few people read these RAND reports. They're 300 pages. They're very specialized. They go into a whole discussion of Russian science policy. And they mention a guy named Vladimir Vernadsky, who was born in Ukraine, but was identified as a Russian. Vernadsky developed this conception of the integration between the uh, non-living processes, living processes, and noetic processes, in other words, human creativity, and how ultimately the most powerful force on the planet is human creativity. And he develops this in, in a very fascinating way. Anyway, Putin has some scientists around him who are experts in Vernadsky, who very few people in the West know. The Rand Corporation report ends by talking about there is one Western grouping that talks about Vernadsky, and that's the grouping centered around Lyndon LaRouche. So, you know, here you have the, the elite of the military so-called strategists who are identifying LaRouche and Putin as the enemy that has to be defeated with this new soft power narrative. Yeah. And that explains why the decision was made to try to destroy and smear Lyndon LaRouche to the point that no one would uh, uh, investigate anything about him. Yeah, exactly. And that's why Robert Mueller went after Lyndon LaRouche. Yeah. They, these guys are so evil. And I thank God that at some level, all of these miscreants are being exposed not only are they being exposed, their connections one toward another are also being exposed. Their networks are being exposed. And those who have ears to hear and a mind to discern are noticing these things. And in fact, the average American starting to notice these things as the pain of inflation and everything else starts to set upon him. And, you know, that is one good thing. That is the silver lining in this whole entire thing. And I just hope that as the days fall off the calendar, Harley, that this reaches critical mass. You know, the one problem we have is that they're still running these narrative control and they're clever. They know that people aren't buying the lies so much anymore. So what do they do? They pick out hot button issues for smaller sections of the population, but whip them up on it, whether it's Roe v. Wade, whether it's the gun laws, whether it's the reaction to the January 6th committee, you know, you, you can get people there, there are many, many more of these hot button issues where you can get people that LaRouche used to joke that you have people going to war over who controls the lids on the garbage cans in the neighborhood. Yeah. That if you can break things down with identity politics 
into family, into religion, into ethnicity, into race, um, so that you can keep people fighting against each other when they have common interests. And then the, the most, I think, uh, horrible of these divisions is the so-called left-right. Sure. You know, where if you think about it, the other than the disinformation, which is put out there around tax policy and big government and so on, who has more in common than the Trump voters and the former liberals who used to hate the CIA and the FBI? You know, there's so much potential commonality. You know, if you go back to 2008 to 2010, you had the, the, uh, uh, creation of the, well, you had the tax revolt then, you had the, uh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but you had Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. So you had the the left and right had the same enemy, Wall Street, bailouts, you know, mm-hmm. Obama. Yeah. This would have been an ideal yep. opportunity. And we have that again today. I, I don't know if you follow people like Jimmy Dore or Glenn Greenwald. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. They're being attacked as, as right-wing Trumpers. When <laughs> and and fact- it's funny that that's happening because, you know, the funny thing is is, is that um, by attacking them as right-wingers, those attackers are actually exposing themselves because people who follow Jimmy Dore and whatnot, they understand that, hey, you know what? Um, that's not true. Jimmy Dore is the farthest thing from right-wing. Yeah. Not, not only that, but he and Greenwald are actually quite clever and are using this to undermine the, the fake liberals like Rachel Maddow. I mean, what does Rachel Maddow represent? She's nothing but a liar. Who's highly paid paid as a propagandist. That's it. She's a paid whore of the establishment. That is all she is just like all the other media apparatchiks. And it's, it's starting to backfire because look what's happening at CNN. They got a new CEO in, we know that idiots like Brian Stelter, who should never be an anchor, the guy is just, is just repulsive to look at. They should replace him with Mr. Potato Head. They should. It, Mr. Potato Head will do a better job. Well, he has more credibility. Much more credibility. And, you know, and, and will attract a, young, uh, a younger audience than Brian <laughs> Stelter. And the funny thing is, Harley, is that the rumors have ha- I've been circling that, you know, Stelter is literally weeks away from, from being fired. There's yeah. a major revamp coming in CNN. The new CEO says, listen, here's the deal. Uh, we're moving away from this identity politics and this partisanship. We're just going to go back to reporting the news as it used to be back in the 80s. You know, yeah. so um, this is blow. This is blowing back on them in a big way, a very big way. Yeah. And and it should. And the, the point is that people have to avoid getting manipulated around what they feel passionate about. And they, they may be right in their passion, you know, whether it's the abortion issue, whether it's the Second Amendment. There are principles there that have to be defended. But you cannot allow yourself to be pigeonholed into these principles when you're missing the fact that the people who are creating the polarization are doing it so that you won't fight against the people who are using inflation to destroy the planet. Yeah. We're using the Green New Deal. We're using the anti-Putin, anti-China polemic. And, and this is the, the, the final point I'll make. If people haven't gotten it yet, the greatest allies of American patriots who consider themselves defenders of national sovereignty 
Our greatest allies would be Putin and Xi. Correct. I'm not endorsing everything that China does, but you look at the attacks on China. Why are they being attacked by the, the globalists? Because they won't allow the speculative banks to take over their economy. Yep. Because they believe in investing in physical production. Yeah, because they, they believe they, in giving people an opportunity to lift themselves out of poverty. Absolutely. Whereas in the United States, we're pushing more and more people into poverty. Into poverty. And because we believe in a neo-feudalism, we want to create more and more different serfs. The funny thing, the difference between China and the West is that China and their central bank sees monetary policy as a public utility. That's the difference. Versus yeah. us, it's about private profits. The hell with everything else. Over there is like, okay, we we need a uh, if we're going to sp- you know spin up six billion dollars, where's it going to go? Is it invested in the public good? Is it invested to public works to elevate the the public and bring them out of poverty? And China has elevated eight hundred and fifty million people out of abject poverty into a better living situation. That's they're creating the biggest thing. middle class. They're creating the biggest middle class in the world. In the world with expendable income. And this is what and people you know who's paying attention to that? Of the course. Saudis, the Saudis, the, yes. The Emirates. Yep. UAE yeah. is huge on it. UAE is like, okay, this is what we need to do. It's public works, public works, public works. They get it. It's yeah. worked for Singapore, you know? And um so we've got a real opportunity, V, and, and I, I think the, the most important thing is people have to hang up their pessimism. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to study the bad guys and, and be able to say these are evil people who do really bad things and have gotten away with it. Yeah. It's another thing to say they're too powerful. The only thing we can do is fight for something small to protect ourselves. No, we have to fight the same way the American founding fathers fought. You make a revolution if necessary because you don't accept the alternative, namely being subservient to a bunch of oligarchs who, if they get the opportunity, will kill you. Yep, exactly correct. Exactly correct. Harley, very well said. It is a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. And folks, get over to LaRoucheOrganization.com as well as SchillerInstitute.org. Subscribe to them. Follow their work. Read the articles, share the articles, get involved in the symposiums. There is a lot going on. And Harley, anything else you want to say before we close out? No, just the the last three days I've done posts on the situation in uh, the United Kingdom with Boris Johnson. Um, they're they're getting a lot of play in uh, inside England, inside the Five Eyes countries. A lot of positive responses. I, I think more Americans should be looking at my daily update because. Absolutely. What I'm trying to do is to bring the world in a way to people in America to understand what our true interests are, what it means to be a sovereign nation. Correct. Very well said. And with that being said, folks, we're at the end of the program. Thank you all for listening in. A lot of things going on, so keep it locked right here to roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, and make sure you check out LaRoucheOrganization.com as well as the theschillerinstitute.com as well. And with that being said, CJ, Take it away, and everyone enjoy your weekend. All right.